I think from where I am, I have this really good opportunity to highlight the the job guarantee because I live in an area that was directly impacted by the job guarantees of uh, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Southeastern Washington State is basically a desert. Um, we just happen to live next to a, a huge Columbia River, which is the border between Washington and Oregon. And they built uh, the Grand Coulee Dam, which was at, at the time, it was the largest uh, cement structure in the world. Hmm. They built uh, the Bonneville Dam. They built dams along the Snake River, the Columbia, and they irrigated the desert. I mean, uh, Washington State produces like over 300 different products, so, you know, produce. Hmm. So, you know, we help, we help feed the nation and that's all, all due to the job guarantee. Welcome to Activist NMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with fourth-year MMT activist and nurse Amber Griego. Amber is a co-founder of an organization called Beyond the Spectrum, or BTS. BTS produces a short weekly video highlighting important and influential tweets regarding modern money theory written by academics and laypeople alike. I'm happy to have been included in several of their videos since they began in January 2020. Amber grew up and still lives in a highly conservative part of Washington State, despite personally having strong progressive views. She was homeschooled, and even though she says there are large swaths missing from her education, she still graduated with honors after taking the Washington State exams. Just as I was, Amber was politically woken up by Bernie Sanders in 2015. In addition, because one of those missing swaths happened to be economics, discovering modern money in 2017 was a relatively quick and painless transition. Her breakthrough came from Rocco Million, who at the time did regular live streams for the online activism group Real Progressives. Amber considers kindness to be of paramount importance, which is partially influenced by her experience as a nurse sitting at the deathbeds of hundreds of elderly patients and witnessing the last breath of many. Just as different styles of patients prefer different styles of nurses, different styles of listeners and learners prefer different styles of speakers and teachers. Despite being told by some so-called allies that kindness won't get you far, the truth is that all styles are needed. 
when you are presented with someone you can't reach, your job is to pass them off to someone else with a more appropriate style for that person. Finally, Amber's geographical region was particularly affected by the job guarantee, or more specifically, the New Deal. Her area was originally a desert, but in the 1930s and 40s was permanently transformed into what is now called the Land of a Thousand Wineries. It is currently under the management of the Army Corps of Engineers. Although she doesn't consider herself an artist, Amber expresses her learning through memes, videos, and other graphical forms. Some examples of her work can be found in the show notes. You can contact me on Twitter or Facebook, and you can email me at activistmmt at gmail.com. If you're enjoying Activist MMT even a fraction as much as I enjoy creating it, and if you're safe and secure and happen to be lucky enough to have some public deficit kicking around in your pocket, I hope you might consider becoming a monthly patron of Activist MMT. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get exclusive content and updates, several days of early access to every episode, and for some, super early access, weeks and sometimes even months in advance. You can start by going to patreon.com slash activist MMT. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Whatever you can afford, I would be very grateful. Thank you. Now, on to our conversation. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Jeff. Uh, so uh, why don't you, why don't we just get started? Why don't you please uh, introduce yourself, touch on your, your cool weekly video that you do, and also your thinking before you ever heard of MMT. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm active in a group called Beyond the Spectrum, BTS. And we do uh, a fun weekly review of the interesting uh, tweets in the MMT community, trying to uh, highlight uh, important issues that are going on and highlight uh, important activists who are out there fighting with the, you know, pen and sword (laughs) to get this stuff going. I, uh, I was born and raised here in Washington state with a short 10 year stint in Nevada. Uh, Before MMT, I grew up very, uh, very conservative. Although I myself personally am very uh, liberal left leaning. I grew up in a conservative evangelical home. And uh, so I grew up with all the, the money myths that, that, a lot of people grow up with, you know, that taxes fund spending and we're in debt to China and, you know, that the debt is a tax burden on future generations and on and on and on. So that's kind of, you know, where I started, where a lot of people do, you know, I think that pretty much categorizes the average American in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. And so coming up 2015, you know, learning about Bernie, learning about austerity and, not that I didn't know about income inequality, but my life is, you know, kind of removed from that uh, in in some respects. And so it was a huge awakening where I think a lot of people did, you know, 2016, Bernie opened the door for a lot of us to different ways of thinking, 
And then that's when I started hearing uh, Rocco Million, uh, who was at, with Real Progressives at the time. And the way that he talks really resonated with me. He's he's a you know average guy like I, like I am. And mm-hmm. so the way that he explained it, it really made a lot of sense to me, really no nonsense, you know, common sense stuff. So you heard him around 2015? Well, no, it, that's when I started listening to Bernie. And that's when oh, okay. the door started opening up. Because, no, I don't think Rocco was with, I, I didn't start really hearing him till like 2017, 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was definitely Bernie was the one that made me question more. You know, whereas before I had voted for Obama twice and I was Mm -hmm. set to, you know, crown Queen Hillary. I was like, oh, well, it's her time. You know, I was one of those. (laughs) And um, Bernie really made me question a lot of things. And so that led me to question those money myths that we all grow up with. And then hearing, you know, Rocco's common sense, no nonsense way of putting it. And it was like a revelation, you know, when you go from that money myth to the revelation of, oh my gosh, the national, the government can't afford to do these things. They, there's just the lack of the political will. I mean, it's it's an epiphany. It truly was an epiphany for me. Um, I know that I had seen some RP videos uh, during the election. I, I want to say during the 2016 time, but um, it was just in passing. And none of it had really clicked for me. I was like, that sounds crazy. If you look back far enough, you could probably find a comment from me saying such. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But people have different approaches. So, you know, just like in nursing, you know, if one nurse, if a patient isn't responding to one nurse, then you send in another nurse, you know, with a different Mm -hmm. disposition. And it's the same thing with teaching. Rocco just had the message that clicked for me, the way that he explained it. Yeah, I, I, there are many different kinds of styles like, you know, Ellis, uh, you know, on, on the professional level is like, you know, Ellis is one kind of teacher, Stephanie's another kind of teacher, Stephen Hale is another kind of teacher. And then on the non-professional level, it's like, you know, me and Rocco and Steve and, and Stephen, Steve Grumbine and, and Jeff Ginter, like they're all such different styles of basically the same, you know, obviously sort of almost exactly the same information, but it's like, I agree with you. It's like the different styles of teaching works for different styles of students. Sure. Um, you said it was like a real epiphany. What do you remember? Do you recall specifically what that was? Um, I, I do. I, I even remember the first meme I ever made. It's a, a guy shaking his fists with a light bulb, you know, uh, <laughs> the way you feel when you realize that taxes don't fund spending. Um, mm. So I have like this graphic representation of my growth and development through <laughs> through MMT, you know, starting out with the, just the, you start out with just these basic little tidbits of information, but they're really important. They're crucial. You know, they're hinge pins to the, to the policies or, you know, you're just like an air traffic controller trying to bring people in and direct them to the the, the real gurus who know. You know, I kind of see that as my mission as far as knowing that there's so much more that I personally need to, to learn that it's really important that whatever I'm doing, it's directing people back to the source, you know, which are, you know, our heterodox economists, you know, Stephanie Calton and Stephen Hale and Fidel Kaboob and, you know, the like, that's a, that's a really important factor for me that 
I try to stay on the message, you know, the message is what's important. Otherwise, you know, people like me who don't know enough, we'll get drug out into the weeds in some wild goose chase of a conversation because we didn't keep it simple. And we didn't remember that it's important to direct these people back where they need to go, you know, so they too can learn. They need to learn the way that we did too. So what do you mean? What do you mean by back to the way they need to go? I just meant, I just meant back to the source. You know, we know enough uh, to have a, a basic discussion and direct people. Yeah. The experts, that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. I, I made, I think I made that, that, mistake quite a few times of trying to get into like expressing what I understood and then they'll hit me with some, you know, China or, or debt or whatever, the things that I just had no clue of up until actually pretty recently, like Joe, Joe Firestone. Um, he was the one that like teaching me at the concept of asset swaps is what all of a sudden having nothing to do with China, just the federal reserve does asset swaps. That is what made me suddenly understand China. It's like if you dare try and you bring up something and then they'll bring up China and then you're stuck because you don't understand it yet. So it's like you have to accumulate you have to accumulate those sources from the experts in order to be able to put, pull them out of your pocket. And that takes a long time to be able yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and working within, you know, your frame of knowledge, your frame of reference. Um, otherwise, you know, you can turn people off unintentionally by trying to answer questions that you don't know. It's it's okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that's been a, a, a guide, a guidepost that I've tried to follow from the beginning, because I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> the guidepost of just pointing to the experts is what you mean? Right. And, and keeping within my frame of reference, you know, it's just like in nursing, you don't work outside of your skill set. Otherwise, people can get hurt, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's the same with MMT, you know, we don't want to a, turn people away from MMT uh, by false information or putting off an air <laughs> like we, we know and we don't know. Mm. So it's, it's just, you know, it's important, I think. So what were some of the sort of milestones in your understanding? Like you said, this epiphany and you have this, this meme, these memes reflecting your growth. Um. I guess it would be kind of the accumulation of people that I've met along the way, all the different activists and uh, the different economists. I, I can remember with Glee, you know, uh, getting a friend request accepted from like Stephanie Kelton, you know, it's, mm -hmm. like, it's like a fangirl moment. And you're like, ah, I'm so excited. It's like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Who gets excited over economists? You're such a dork, you know, <laughs> I, it truly did. I, it still to this day, I get excited about it. You know, that, because these people are accessible in the fact that they're so willing to answer questions because we have the same goal. We might be separated by years, uh, states, PhDs, you know, we're, we're vastly separated in that respect, but we're the same in that we have the same mission. You know, they're just better, much better equipped at articulating said mission, you know? So they're, they're kind of like heroes in a lot of way, in a lot of ways, they're here to help, the betterment of society we're, we're we're hurting in an unprecedented way you know that we haven't seen in decades i i just see the hard work that they're trying to do following the money you know it all comes down to whether or not the government spends that money on the people like it like you know which is necessary and 
they're going to the heart of the matter. And I just, it's such a noble, I can't think of anything more noble. And they're sort of, it, it's, have you, have you gone, did you happen to, to go to any, well, you're pretty far away. Did you happen to go to any of the conferences? No, I lived vicariously through people like Rocco who were able to go uh, and Lana Dell and, you know, uh, but no, no, uh, maybe someday. (laughs) Yeah. Well, probably not this year. (laughs) Yeah, Um, definitely not this year. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's like we're the front line and they're the generals behind us, you know, it's, it's, they have chosen to to fight this battle through you know so, social media and blogs because they're not they're not making uh, a substantial difference through you know the the official channels for obvious reasons. Um, so it really it really is unique, and they they really are you know available to answer questions and accessible and talking briefly behind the scenes and whatever. Um, you said that you still have. Uh, things to learn what specific things like do you understand that you're missing or you're interested in pursuing uh yes uh specifically um more of the function of the fed uh, kind of what you had alluded to with learning with dr joe that is definitely definitely a dark area and i should just go back a little bit and say that um i have huge empty swaths in my education anyway in in the fact that i homeschooled for high school and my my parents um kind of left it up to me what i wanted to study so i did i studied what i I wanted to i still graduated on time with honors Mm. so i i I, I do have that that means you took like their exams i would think right right i did take the washington state exams correct but so yeah I, i i i i there's holes in my education so that's a benefit in that i didn't have to unlearn some things, but it mm-hmm. is a hindrance in that there are some things, you know, some things I don't know. And so, um, especially when it came to economics. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it was so interesting to me because there was a lot of things that I didn't know. But yeah, specifically the function of the, the Fed, it's supposed to be independent from the treasury, but then you hear all this talk about uh, you know, the Trump administration had supposedly closed the the independent something, something with that. But let's see, other areas of MMT. Um, I don't know much about the world market at all. So when people talk about the devaluing of the dollar, I know that the petrodollar is it's it's not what I grew up thinking, you know. And that and the fact that uh, for example the UK is no longer the the world's reserve currency and their country didn't blow up because of it. You know, <laughs> it, I didn't realize they used to be. Under, yeah. The UK, the UK used to be the, the world's reserve currency. I mean, it definitely suffered under austerity during the Margaret Thatcher days and continues, but it wasn't because of its loss of the world reserve currency. So the same thing with America, if God forbid, you know, we did lose that status. You know, our internal country is not going to implode as long as production, you know, is taken care of. And some of it, so much of it's been shipped overseas. So I do agree with bringing some of that stuff home for obvious reasons. It's a national security reason. Bringing what stuff home? Production. um, All of the the PPE equipment that we fell short on. Hmm. 
essential goods, things that we need. So God forbid something happens, you know, internally, our country can make it through, you know, because mm -hmm. there's lots of different reasons why uh, exports and imports can stop, not just of a, not just a virus. Yeah, it's like the virus, everybody has to take care of themselves. So we can't import anymore, or at least to, you know, to the, the fact that manufacturing is going overseas has really harmed us. And this, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, I, I get the very basics of petrodollar, but when you, when you talk to someone about the petrodollar, they hit you with, with things that I'm just like, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't know the term, foreign trading, foreign exchange. Like I don't, I don't really have my head around that, and that's related. That's obviously related to the petrodollar. So when I, when that subject comes up, someone who knows the petrodollar well also knows all of these other things of like China owns our debt and all how all these other things fit into it. And it, that's a subject that I don't really have my head around yet. Um, right, right. Like if I'm picturing the sectoral balances in my mind, or if I'm picturing the bathtub and analogy or whatever, and I could see the different ins and outs and the flows, that is definitely the, the that, that global import export. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that particular flow very well. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's so much to learn. You have to choose something, you know, it's like, you can't, you know, that's, that's important, but it's like, there's all these, these core concepts to learn. It's just, you, I, you'll get around to it when you can, in a way it's like, um, I wanted to say before you, you said you got into, you, you discovered Bernie in 2015. He's who sort of started you questioning economic stuff. And, I discovered Bernie in August of 2015, 2015 as well, August. And he didn't get me questioning economic stuff, but he, you know, just opened my eyes in general. Like I was completely politically asleep before him. I mean, completely. So I got really involved in his campaign. That was the first campaign I'd ever been involved with. But then two years later, Jeff Ginter and I, Jeff lives like just an hour away from me. And so... I didn't know anything about economics at all. Like I never read about it or, or followed it or, or anything at all. Like it just was like, it's not for me. This is for the adults in the room. And then Jeff and I were talking on the phone about just some local politics stuff. And he just said to me out of the blue, you need to understand how the federal economy works. And, and like you said, you didn't really have a background in economics either. And so you weren't really questioning stuff like it came to you easier i think than it would for someone that was like uh, confident in their economic wrong economic education and i was exactly the same way i didn't have any background at all i, I was like an empty vessel so instead of like my having difficulty understanding what jeff was introducing to me mmt is right but then you're immediately hit by all of these people of this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and i was just like immediately felt in a defensive position. It was just a really interesting experience. Uh, Stephen, in the beginning of Stephen Hale's book, he talks about how uh, uh, economics for sustainable prosperity, he talks about how economics changing is sort of similar to um, plate tectonics, that geologists or whatever the, the field of study is, the geologists were saying that this is just how it is, how the continents are or how it is, even though children were noticing that they sort of fit together like puzzle pieces if you move them around. And it was the same kind of resistance, the same kind of discrimination. And But it took like 50 years or something for the people who were right 
you know, they were dead at this point, but finally they were justified that the continents actually moved. Right, right. And that's a really good point is, you know, we might not see the end result of a lot of these things, but hopefully we will because the earth's on fire. But we have to push for it anyway, even though, like I said, we might not get the the benefit of the results. Yep, that's a good point. That's a good point. You, you follow Joe quite a bit? Um, I do. I love Dr. Joe. I love Dr. Joe. Um, I like Stephen Hale. Um, I like his podcast on YouTube. I love Christian Riley and Patricia. Um, I think from where I am, I have this really good opportunity to highlight the the job guarantee because I live in an area that was directly impacted by the job guarantees of uh, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Southeastern Washington state is basically a desert. Um, we just happen to live next to a, a huge Columbia river, which is the border between Washington and Oregon. And they built uh, the grand Coulee dam, which was at, at the time it was the largest uh, cement structure in the world. Hmm. They built uh, the Bonneville dam. They built dams along the snake river, the Columbia, and they irrigated the desert I mean, uh, Washington state produces like over 300 different products, so, you know, produce. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we help, we help feed the nation and that's all, all due to the job guarantee. And what uh, used is, to be a desert. What used to be a desert is now a paradise. We're the land of a thousand wineries. <laughs> huh. So, so it's actually, it's like they, it was built, this was hunt, this was in the new deal, I would presume. It was done. Uh, they began building it in 1933. It was completed in 1942. It was mm -hmm. actually under the Reclamation Project Act of 1939. And it's currently under uh, the control of the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, but it still see it still receives a uh, subsidy. Um, it still receives subsidy from the federal government. But, but 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 what used to be a desert is now like roughly speaking that like one huge effort. 90 years ago has made it into a permanently non-desert basically yes it is a permanently irrigated area now correct wow wow okay yes. um and so I, I think about the time think about the time that that was built you know during great public upheaval you know social and uh, strife you know this was this was the great depression this was world war ii and look at what they got done. And where we talk about the federal job guarantee today, absolutely, it can be locally administered, but there's no reason why we can't do these large infrastructure projects. In fact, we need to, I mean, desperately. So I just see it as such a important uh, opportunity to, to look at these lessons of the past and see what we've done as a nation and see that we can do that again, absolutely. Were you aware of these, uh, the reclamation, the, the the irrigating of the desert, or whatever the big project to undesert the desert? Were you aware of that, like before MMT? Or so, um, my grandparents had one of the very first farms in the area, um, mm. and this was the first water actually didn't flow until um, ten years later. So this would have been uh, late forties, early fifties when the water actually started flowing. Um, and my family, grandparents, and my father. And my mother all worked for the the Columbia Basin Irrigation Project. Mm. 
Um, my mother still does to this day. So I've mm. always, I've always known about it. I've always known about the history of it, but I had never, never really uh, paid attention to this, that important factor until I had learned about modern money and, and the job guarantee. I mean, it really shows you just what the government can do when the political will is behind it. We absolutely can put people back to work and doing something important for the infrastructure of the country. Not necessarily irrigation, obviously, but there's lots of different projects that could be done um, as far as uh, building uh, solar farms, wind farms. And we do have um, a large wind farm uh, center here, but it, it, it needs to be expanded. It's not enough. Describe the process of your creating these beyond the spectrum videos that you do every week that you've been doing for several months now. Um, yes. With the MM Tweet Review, it's an opportunity to not only highlight um, our favorite economists, of course, but highlight everyday activists. And not just everyday activists, but also maybe people who are brand new to MMT. Mm -hmm. You know, but they've said something and it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's a good statement. And there's no reason why those people shouldn't be highlighted as well. They're, they're part of this, too. We're all in this together. So I see it, like I said, as an opportunity because I think that's really important. We don't want to just be talking to ourselves all the time in an echo chamber. It's really important that we're trying to change minds, you know, every day, everywhere that we go. So. So, so describe like. I mean, I, I, I'm interested in the particular procedures, at least some of the details, like the tools and the meta, the meta stuff, but also just like the experience of actually how you guys discovered these things, how you share them with each other, how it, how it ends up coming together. Um, sure. Uh, uh, our group's very democratic. We all um, have input. Uh, we all have a say. We all can uh, make any suggestions that we want. It's, it's a very uh, peaceful <laughs> and a uh, cooperative group. So, so it's, it's, it's definitely a collaborative thing. So anyone, anyone in the group can say, Hey, let's use this tweet. So we I'll, I'll curate them. I'll try to put them in some kind of a discernible order. Um, Cause these tweets obviously don't, they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, you know, then it's uh, try to highlight uh, what's the heart, the heart of each tweet, you know, what's, what's very important inside each of these tweets mm -hmm. and then try to have some little graphic representation of, of that sentiment. Um, so it's very much, you know, there's a lot of, you know, heart and soul put into it as far as that goes, that the whole project came about just from our group, you know, talking and discussing and throwing around ideas and, and we all feel really good about it. We, we enjoy what we do. And um, I do the animations that appear inside the tweet. So anything inside of the tweet is is for me. And then oh, she does, okay. she, she does the graphics um, that kind of fall on the sides, um, the intro and the outro, she she dresses it up. She she's the one that makes it what it is. So <laughs> Okay. Uh, not only have I made 
many graphic memes. I've also made two or three little MMT educational videos. One of them's three minutes long, one of them's 10 minutes long, and one of them's like 16 minutes long. And everything that I've done, I, as far as those projects go, was done on my phone. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Uh, Apple or or, uh, um, Android? Android, yeah, Google. But yeah, now now with the MM Tweet review, I I have upgraded to the 21st century and I'm using a laptop. And uh, same same app application on your laptop. Um, Jimmy and Sam and I all use PowerDirector. Hmm. Okay. Um. So what else? Um, uh, with your project or or your community, like where you are, talking about conservative at all? Like, um. Well, my family is definitely still conservative, uh, Trump loving. If I wear a Bernie shirt. In fact, I my latest Bernie shirt on the back it says, you know, the government can afford you know public purpose spending, you know, or we can afford infinite war. We can afford public purpose spending. Hmm. People in this shirt. people in this community don't appreciate that a lot of them anyway. I I remember being stopped at a at a restaurant by a vet, a, a World War Korean War vet. <laughs> asking me how I felt about, you know, America rebuilding Japan after World War II. <laughs> and I said, well, we probably could have gotten away without dropping that bomb in the first place, sir. Um, wow, and he, didn't ap- nice. <laughs> he didn't appreciate that. What, what, um, was it, what, was, what, was, what did you think he was trying to communicate? Um, I think he was trying to make reference to... Uh, money being wasted in that regard. I'm not completely sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to start a, uh, you know, a public scene, especially I, I take care of the aged for a living. So I don't want to be seen <laughs> being mean to somebody who's, you know, an elderly person, but. Yeah, um, a heart attack. <laughs> but it's like, for example. Spending, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for, for example, like my bumper stickers kind of sums up, like I have a 2016 bumper sticker that says Hillary for prison next to my mm. billionaires, billionaires can't buy Bernie sticker. Um, wow. It's not subtle. No, it's not. It tells you exactly where I stand. But the people around here, all they see is the Hillary for prison, which is good because they'll shake their MAGA hats at me and they're like, yeah, you know, they think I'm on their team or whatever, but mm. <laughs> Oh, interesting. No, I didn't even. I actually, I was thinking that you, you were being even more confrontational, but actually, it's the opposite of what I thought. That like you're actually that's that's a sort of a, a common bond in a way that you share with the conservatives. Right. That is something that we share. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge 180 for me. Like I said, you know, voting for Obama twice, and I was all set. You know, it's Hillary. It's her time. Hmm. And then I, I remember specifically my, my parents just getting irate with me, you know, look into her, her past, look into her, everything associated with her. Cause I never wow. really questioned, I never questioned it before. You know, I was a teenager, I was a teenager mm-hmm. when Bill was in office, you know, mm-hmm. I was just excited. The gas prices were cheap. I had a car uh-huh. to drive, you know, mm-hmm. But it really made me think, and especially around the time, like I said, when Bernie was making me question more as well. Just this this force was, you know, <laughs> with, but, but 
between my parents and this uh, enthusiasm that Bernie was feeding in me, you know, it really did make me question. And I'm completely 180 on the Hillary. Well, well, I, you know, conservatives, uh, Hillary is seen not as the greatest between pretty much everybody, except unless you're like a centrist person. Um, but, but what people see as negative in Hillary, I think could probably be pretty different between a conservative and a, and a progressive, for example. So I'm wondering, like your parents were right of looking to Hillary and what she's done, but I'm wondering how much of what they were telling you was like Pizzagate stuff as opposed to, you know, warmongering and the things she's actually done. Yeah. And it's kind of a, a I get a, a cross between the two because my dad's very much Alex Jones uh, there you the, go. the Drudge Report, you know, and then my mom's kind of on the other side where she's a little, she's more reasonable, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, but I do, I, we, we run the gambit in my family. We really do. <laughs> well, how, so what are their, what are their thoughts with uh, your MMT? Like how much does that commute, that communication come up between them? How are they with that? Uh, I don't know. I'm not so much worried about convincing, you know, necessarily my family, as I am just continuing forward with the work, highlighting what I can, where I can, you know, when I can, and just keep going one day at a time. But they realize, even though they, you know, you're not necessarily teaching them, but just, just to make it clear who you are, like they, they understand. Yeah. Oh, they know for sure. Um, I even have a MMT t-shirt, that's uh, a blackboard MMT 101 listing you know, USA is a sovereign nation. All federal spending is by decree. Federal mm. taxes don't fund spending. Um, wow. It's one of my it's one of my favorite T-shirts. Wow, I'd like to see. I would love to see a picture of that. Sure. Yeah, I could definitely send you the graphic. Yeah, please do. I think um, it's important to try to try to focus locally. I mean, we're all focused, obviously, on the federal level. That's where the money's at. That's where the public purse is at. But we also have to think about convincing our people in our local government, people in our local city councils, you know, friends and neighbors. Um, and that's a tall order. Like I said, living on the conservative side of the state, but you know, I've lived here all my life and I find that wearing a t-shirt's a really um, unintrusive way to make that kind of a statement. I'd like to see more MMT bumper stickers, things like that. Mm, you know, get, that's a good point. get it out into the zeitgeist, you know, make it more, um, more commonplace, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't ever remember seeing or hearing this stuff, but you know, until, you know, until a few years ago. So who are the people that you, like, I'm curious, who are the people that actually you communicate with? What are the, some of the, some of the experiences that you've had, whether they're successful or not, of actually trying to, you know, make a difference with the people that you want to make a difference with? Well, uh, locally here, we have um, a pretty good sized libertarian party. Uh, Our mayor um, is libertarian. So so there's a lot of... I don't understand how a libertarian can even be in office. That's sort of like paradoxical, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well... He's also our local uh, pot store owner. Oh, so, oh, okay. But as as you probably know, you know the libertarian 
ideals and concepts do not mesh very well with um, modern money, especially with taxation. You know, mm-hmm. the minute you even bring up taxation, all they want to talk about is, you know, theft, it's theft, it's theft. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to get a conversation going with these people. Um, but I've tried, I have friends who are local business owners, you know, I, and I've tried to impress upon them that running a business is well and good. You know, you're a currency user, you know, just like I am, just like a household, you know, but that doesn't always equate to the federal government. And it's really important that you understand that. As a matter of fact, one of our uh, local restaurant owners is considering running for governor. And that was one mm-hmm. of the first things that I told him. I said, I would probably vote for you, but after a very lengthy discussion about federal finance, you know, and its role nice. as, in, in state budgets. Mm-hmm. So it's MMT has completely changed, you know, how I talk and interact, you know, with friends, family, the public, but always with kindness. My, uh, my big thing is kindness. And I've been ridiculed for that um, inside the MMT community. I've been told that, not that it's unimportant, but um, that it's not going to get me anywhere. And I kind of carry that as a mantle. It's, uh, it's really important to me. I think kindness um, can actually take you very far. Uh, I think that's awful to be told that kindness is not going to get you very far. I think that's awful. You know, there's nothing wrong necessarily with, you know what, there is something wrong. There's What's wrong with it is that there's nothing wrong with someone wanting to have a more gruff style. There's nothing wrong with, you know, I feel personally like not being kind is not going to get me anywhere I, because I talk to people that really need to be, you know, the idea needs to be rammed through because kindness is not going to work for them because that's listening to your audience. That's teaching in a style that you know will be heard by your audience. But I think you and me, we're not going to try and teach those people. Like you're not going to try and go out to people who require you to not be kind. I think that's fair to say, probably. Yeah, absolutely. I would just wish those people well. I mean, I run into people like that all the time. Uh, people that, uh, yeah, aren't receptive. <laughs> so, and you wish them well. I literally will tell them to have a super day. Um, or you pass them because- on, or you pass them on to someone who is not, who has a style that maybe will work for them better, right? Like, you know, those people that are, te- what, what I have a problem with is that, yeah, fine, that style might work for you. And that as a teacher, and I know teacher is a little controversial in the activist community to say the word teacher, but you know what I mean. And that may, and that aggressive, more aggressive may also work for that student, for that person who you're trying to reach. That's fine for you. But then to go to someone else and say that your style is wrong. To, to try and discourage you from being who you naturally are and want to be and strive to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I try not to, to tone police people. You know, it's, it's not that I would ever try to do that. Um, I, I, let, I live and let live. But for me, for me and my heart, you know, I, I take care of the aged. I, I've, I have sat at hundreds of deathbeds. You know, I, I, I watch people take their last breaths sometimes. So my spirituality and who I am is very centered and I, there is enough pain in the world that uh, I, I just, I, ch- I choose to fill it with kindness um, because that's what I would want. 
And, and that's great. And it's exactly what, you know, I'm, I'm sure in, in somewhat of a different way, but I, I totally, I am totally with that philosophy as well. Like I, you know, I, the person whose online behavior I strive towards is Sam Levy. Like the way that you deficit owls, do you know who he is? I do. Yeah. Sam's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> the way that he behaves online, that's what I strive towards. Like he just, he's, you know, he's a human being and I'm sure he's ruffled, but in that persona, in that persona, he is just, he just doesn't get ruffled. He always, you know, keeps his eye on the ball and doesn't take insults and so on. And he just answers the question, which is important because you're not just trying to communicate with on an, in an online conversation. You're not just trying to communicate to that person. In fact, probably more often than not, you're not trying to communicate with that person. You're communicating with everybody else who watches that conversation then and in the future. So, I mean, he basically has that philosophy as well as my interpretation anyway. Um, and I definitely like that's really the kind of people that I choose to be with. Not not just, you know, I choose to be with the kind of people that have my same kind of style. You know, at the same time, those people with the uh, with more aggressive style or just a different style, you know, we're it's all. We're a good team overall. We're a good team. You know, it's all necessary in, in a way. Um, um, that's one thing that I've been thinking about and, and I'm not good at um, is trying to make uh, M- MMT concepts, giving more real world examples, things hmm. that you could explain to someone and they could say, oh, I get that because it applies, that applies to my life too. That's that's that is one thing that we've been discussing um, in BTS is finding a more common sense approach to and more, um, like I said, examples that people would recognize in their own lives. <clears throat> like you know, it, me explaining my my community and the job guarantee. You know, you know that's that's one example. That's one example I mm. could point point to like my neighbors or you know someone in my community and i could say look at this here we've already done this we've done this before and we can do it again Hmm. but i and i'm not good at it i'm not good at it coming up with these concepts but um i think that that's an important aspect It, it seems like you already did i mean the fact that it used to be a desert and the job guarantee made it permanently not a desert is pretty amazing yeah, you know and the they, history or experience the history. Or they don't even realize what FDR did during that time as far as building the infrastructure up. And I think some of the conservatives, I think they know, um, but, you know, they would never want to <laughs> give an attaboy to FDR. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's um, because MMT – modern money can be so, so academic, you know, which is great. I mean, I, I'm a very nerdy person. I'm a dork. I, I, mm-hmm. I love academic stuff, um, you know, but not everybody necessarily finds that palatable and, or they just can't relate to it, you know, finding a way to make the material more relatable in a real world setting. Making your area not a desert is reality for those conservatives. So instead of like talking about MMT necessarily, just get into the history of of that project. And then eventually it'll become clear that, you know, that it was part of the New Deal. And then that this area wasn't the only uh, 
place that had a massive irrigation project. There was like 16 or 17 of them across the country during the same time period. So hmm. there's many, many places where people could point and, and say, you know, my, my area directly benefited from a job guarantee. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so is there, uh, you know, I, what, what else would you like to get out before we stop? Um, I would, I think I would just say that, uh, modern money has really helped give me hope. Uh, whereas I think I was more not complacent, but more resigned, you mm. know, maybe it was because I was partially asleep. That could be it. But I just, I overall feel more hope, you know, whereas in 2016, I, I was devastated when Bernie lost, mm. you know, and with Bernie dropping out now, I'm in a much more emotionally stable place. I mean, of course it's, it's heartbreaking and mm. it, it is disheartening, but I'm still filled with so much more hope knowing wow. that the policymakers are being influenced by, you know, wonderful people, you know, like Dr. Kelton and Andres Bernal and, you know, Robert Hockett conversations that we never would have had, you know, three or four years ago are in the mainstream. And uh, yes, the world is burning, but I, I feel like we have some kind of a chance um, if we keep going, but we have to keep going. Hmm. Okay. Um, thank you so much for talking. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, to uh, share some of my thoughts and feelings and uh, my journey through modern money. And um, I'm so happy that we were able to do this today. I'm really thankful. Oh, good. I will see you back online. I'll see you back in the comments for uh, Joe Firestone. And uh, thank you so much for talking. All right. Have a great evening. Bye. Bye.
Today I talk with fourth-year MMT activist and nurse Amber Griego. Amber is a co-founder of an organization called Beyond the Spectrum, or BTS. BTS produces a short weekly video highlighting important and influential tweets regarding modern money theory written by academics and laypeople alike. I'm happy to have been included in several of their videos since they began in January 2020. Amber grew up and still lives in a highly conservative part of Washington state, despite personally having strong progressive views. She was homeschooled, and even though she says there are large swaths missing from her education, she still graduated with honors after taking the Washington state exams. Just as I was, Amber was politically woken up by Bernie Sanders in 2015. In addition, because one of those missing swaths happened to be economics, discovering modern money in 2017 was a relatively quick and painless transition. Her breakthrough came from Rocco Million, who at the time did regular live streams for the online activism group Real Progressives. Amber considers kindness to be of paramount importance, which is partially influenced by her experience as a nurse, sitting at the deathbeds of hundreds of elderly patients and witnessing the last breath of many. Just as different styles of patients prefer different styles of nurses, different styles of listeners and learners prefer different styles of speakers and teachers. Despite being told by some so-called allies that kindness won't get you far, the truth is that all styles are needed. When you are presented with someone you can't reach, your job is to pass them off to someone else with a more appropriate style for that person. Finally, Amber's geographical region was particularly affected by the job guarantee, or more specifically, the New Deal. Her area was originally a desert, but in the 1930s and 40s was permanently transformed into what is now called the Land of a Thousand Wineries. It is currently under the management of the Army Corps of Engineers. Although she doesn't consider herself an artist, Amber expresses her learning through memes, videos, and other graphical forms. Some examples of her work can be found in the show notes.